With us today is my friend Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky. And every Sunday, he makes us look up in the sky and say, and, and wonder what's up there. And he gives us a few mysteries, too. Steve Cates, uh, tell us what's going on this Sunday. Well, good morning, John. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody. We begin with a concluding story on the Artemis 1 Orion capsule. It's scheduled to actually enter the Earth's atmosphere today and hopefully soft land on the ocean off San Diego at 12.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But John is going to do something strange. It's going to enter the atmosphere in a never-tested or tried-before entry position called a skip entry. And what does that mean? It's going to bounce through the atmosphere to lower its speed. It's coming in at 32 times the speed of sound, and hopefully all goes well. It'll be recovered by a U.S. Navy recovery ship known as the USS Portland. That's LPD-27 after a long 25-day mission, and it's been an exciting one indeed. It's skipping in. Is it a certain point when it slows down going to have a a parachute to, to, to bring it down? Precisely. What it's doing is the old Apollo missions came kind of straight in, and they had a lot of heat off that heat shield. So what they're trying to do this time is bleed off a lot of that heat by coming in and out of the atmosphere. And then, yes, it will have a parachute to slowly descend to the water. It's going to land in the water, not... not I mean, in comparison to what SpaceX and the other people are doing, uh, that's like 30-year-old technology, isn't it? Yes, it is. But you have to remember, too, that a lot of times the capsules that the uh, people at SpaceX also do, their crewed uh, version of their capsules, they do also land in the ocean. But their recovery of their boosters, the great technology that Elon Musk has is that those booster rockets do land on the surface of the Earth. Elon Musk will have the technology on his starships, but those spacecraft, John, will successfully land on the surface of the Earth. But we wish NASA well on that. But, hey, there's so much news to talk about about Mars. Not only, John, is Mars closest to the Earth right now, and people are seeing it all over the world, but now a little update on the Mars helicopter called Ingenuity. It actually broke its own record, and it set for its 35th flight on December the 3rd. It reached an all-time altitude on Mars, of some 46 feet, and it's really doing an amazing job. That little tiny four-and-a-half-pound, little tiny little, you know, little rover itself, that it comes out of the rover, I should say. The little helicopter's doing great research. But the Perseverance rover, the wheeled rover, is also doing some incredible digging. It's digging in that Jezero crater area, digging into harder rock. And what's it trying to do, John? It's actually pulling out more material and putting them in little vials and tubes and it's dropping them on flat areas of Mars that in the future there's going to be a Mars sample return mission that's hopefully going to scoop up that material and return it to Earth to give us the first time in history material from the red planet Mars, which I find just totally amazing. So, John, isn't that technology just literally, no pun intended, out of this world? Yes, but I'll tell you something. I'm disappointed. We haven't found more on Mars. You know, 20 years ago, we used to dream about going to Mars and what we're going to find. Yes. I thought we'd find something. Yes. Unfortunately, John, this is probably what's happened. Mars probably had life at one time, but the existence of, or I should say, what was on the planet Mars was destroyed. How do we know that? There's a giant area on the surface of Mars. It's the deepest area of Mars. It's called the Halas Basin. It was probably an area that an asteroid hit and literally wiped out whatever material was on the surface of Mars. They picked the Jezero Crater to find whatever they can because they see dried up riverbeds. 
So you're right. With all this research that we're doing, it's a little disappointing that we haven't found anything, you know, any microbial life at this point. But the search does continue. But you know, well, you wonder ha- that uh, the, the, uh, after the movie, the uh, uh, the movie Superman, maybe that was the planet Krypton, and all the Martians left and came to Earth. Exactly, and life probably existed on Mars, John, a long time ago, and hopefully. We will find an answer to that. But we always have a mystery of the week here. And this is kind of interesting. So it goes back to the sunrises on the Earth. So where's the first sunrise over the world each day on the globe? So if you look at a globe, you see that there's this thing called the International Dateline, 180 degrees longitude, way out there in the Pacific Ocean. So if you examine it closer, there's an island chain out there, which is way out there called the Kiribati Island Chain. Why is this important? Because there's a small little area of islands inside that island nation called the Millennial Island. And that island supposedly has the first sunrise of the day way out there as days start right over the side of the line, which we call the International Date Line. But what's even more of a mystery, and people probably don't know this, where's the first sunrise in North America? All you have to do is simply look at a map, but it's a little more difficult than that. It actually exists in a place called Cape Spear, right in Newfoundland, and the Labrador area, they get to see the first sunrise of the day. But finally, in conclusion of the strangeness of where the sunrise is, if you look at an American territory around the world, the good folks on the island area of Guam, they're the ones that probably get the first sunrise if you look at an American territory. John, we talk about the amazing things that happen in the sky. Mars and the moon were close this past few days. You look in the northeast, you see Mars closest to the Earth. Yeah, the great red planet, the planet that we hope to visit someday, if not within the next decade or so. But a meteor shower called the Geminids is actually peaking up. It peaks on the morning of the 14th. Meteor activity all night long, John. If you look in the northeast sky, it peaks on the morning of the 14th. And always people are wondering about the great mystery, and hopefully next week we'll talk about it in detail. What was the great mystery of the Star of Bethlehem? So many theories to talk about here on your show, as we wish everybody the best for a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and, of course, a Happy Holiday. Well, Steve Cakes, thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon. Uh, we only got, what, 14 more days till Christmas? and Yes. And... Uh, and I'm lighting the menorah on uh, December 20th, so I'll do, I'm going to do that too. Yes, blessings to all, John, and thank you so much. Thank you.